0: Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Jenny Colapitro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers and providers.
1: And I'm Igor Belakronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy and where I get to do exciting work with our health clients, helping them build their strategies and operating models. And on the podcast, we're continuing to profile interesting organizations that are solving important problems in healthcare. Jenny and I are delighted to be here today with the co-founders of Arise Health, Amanda D'Ambra and Joan Zhang. And so Amanda and Joan, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having us. Hi, everyone. My name is Amanda D'Ambra and the co-founder and CEO of Arise. We are bringing folks of many different backgrounds, inclusive and comprehensive care for eating disorders
3: and mental health. Nice to meet everyone. Thank you for having us. My name is Joan Zong and I am a co-founder and chief product officer here at Arise and excited to share more with your audience today.
1: Excellent. Well, first things first, Joan and Amanda, tell us about Arise Health, what it is, what it does, what its mission is, and then we'll dive in deeper.
2: Absolutely. So eating disorders are really a pressing challenge both in this country and globally. We saw that really come to a head amidst the pandemic, but this certainly was true before the pandemic. In fact, we see the latest numbers show that eating disorders affect about 30 million Americans every year, and we expect that that is grossly underrepresented. And in fact, found that it is as prevalent as drug use disorders and more so than autism, bipolar, and a lot of other conditions that are also deserving of great care, but oftentimes talked a lot and and get more attention, funding, research, what have you. So when it affects this many people of all different backgrounds, you know, what we find is unfortunately, over 80% of people are not actually going to get the care that they need. And when people do get care, oftentimes it's insufficient. It's not really tailored to address the underlying factors that go alongside eating disorders. It's oftentimes not really tailored to meet the very unique experiences that folks have with eating disorders, especially those who kind of represent different identities and backgrounds. So we really came together to build a to provide much more comprehensive care. So bringing together medical needs, behavioral health, looking at sociocultural factors and underlying needs, which we can get more into, and also really do so in an inclusive way and centering the experiences of folks who haven't been seen or validated in their experiences with eating disorders and all the mental health challenges that
3: come alongside them. And for both of us, this is deeply personal. For me, the eating disorder started my freshman year of college And unfortunately, I didn't have family support around that. I was navigating the healthcare system completely on my own, going to the hospital every single day for multiple hours. It felt like another course that I was taking. And to have to go into a physical location and sit in a waiting room with all of my peers, it felt really intimidating and overwhelming. And ultimately, at the end of the semester, I decided not to go back because it was just so overwhelming. It was really scary to be going through it alone. And I had a lot of privileges. I had health insurance coverage. I could speak English. I had, you know, a lot of resources to be able to access care. And unfortunately, it meant that I was managing and trying to get better for a long period of time without a lot of support. It wasn't until I found community with other folks who looked like me, who had really been failed by the healthcare system, that I found true healing. And so for both Amanda and I, we seek to create a better system so that more folks can access care and also get care that is really centered and designed for them. Yeah. And really, Joan is hitting on an important part of our model
2: that, of course, it really comes out of our own experiences. And we're grounded in this and also have learned a lot from people's different experiences, too. And it's hitting on the point that virtual really matters in this space, too. I'll say myself, my own journey with eating disorders has now been 20 plus years. I first got into a partial hospitalization program when I was 13 and missed my first month of high school because I was in that program. Had ebbs and flows over the years of eating disorders, depression, anxiety, OCD, suicidal thoughts. I mean, this is how it shows up for a lot of people. It's with a bunch of different things going on. And when I was in my 20s and came to a period where this was really acute again, I had really negative experiences with care previously, and I also was working in digital health companies and didn't want to take time off to go get care. And we find that is true for a lot of folks that taking time off of school or work or taking care of kids, whatever it is, people have lives that pulling them out of it in order to go to a treatment facility or or program for a substantial period of time, is just not realistic. And so like me, a lot of people will continue down this path where they're not getting care or support and they're getting really sick, which when this is the second deadliest behavioral health condition after opioid addiction, I mean, this is a really serious problem for folks.
0: Amanda Joan, thank you very much for sharing those personal stories. I can certainly appreciate why you're so passionate about this topic. And obviously it is one that is deserving of our care and attention. But as you mentioned, eating disorders impacts a broad population with a variety of different backgrounds. It's very complex and I imagine requires a very flexible, thoughtful solution. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you think about reaching this population? Absolutely. So first and foremost, I think
2: the very first thing that Joan and I did together in the early months that we were working on Arise was really spending time on user research. So listening and learning from folks of many different socioeconomic backgrounds, identities, to really understand what their experiences with disordered eating and eating disorders and co-occurring mental health conditions, how that showed up for them and what that looked like in their life. We also spent a lot of time with clinicians and community-based care providers in the space to understand what they're seeing with the different populations that they serve. And the common thread that we found was community. We found that this idea of really having connection, as Joan alluded to, with her own experiences, what are those shared experiences and things we've been through that tie us together? What are those things that we can start to understand about how they impact our experiences with eating disorders and why this is showing up for us and why we're experiencing this? Those are really powerful. And in fact, research uh, that has come out in recent years has shown that that community-based healing, if you will, really is impactful in terms of where people are going to go in their healing longer term. So not just in the moment of time, have they hit these biomarkers or are you seeing that they've hit certain clinical outcomes, but instead, are they going to progress down a path for the months, years, decades to come where they really are healing and they are able to sustain that because of peer connection, group
3: connection, you know, it can show up
2: in different forms. But that was really the common thread that we heard.
3: Another key piece is representation matters so much. One of our core values is listen to lead, and we have to have folks on our own team, including our providers, actually represent the folks that we're trying to serve. And so as we're trying to reach communities who really have been underrepresented, it's important that our care team looks like and understands their experiences. And that comes at all levels. That's not just the folks who are delivering care, but our leadership on our product team, on our design team, on our engineering team, we really have at the core emphasis on bringing together different voices and backgrounds so that we're actually presenting and thinking about delivering care differently in ways that our team members have actually experienced a lot of these barriers and have a lot of this lived experience with eating disorders. And so. It just is a completely different environment when we're all building for the version of ourselves that didn't have access to care. And we're thinking about all of the barriers that we experience that our members may experience. And so at the core, part of our team is how we're able to more effectively understand, empathize and reach members.
2: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, you hear a lot in digital health about meeting people where they are. And virtual, just the fact that you are a virtual-based company is certainly important, but it's not enough to meaningfully reach people where they are. Because what that actually means is what Joan is talking about. It's representation. It's seeing people who look like you who are going to actually understand your experience. It's being able to join a community and have peer support from people who have been there and get it. So all of this is really how we start the foundation of Arise is being able to center those experiences to build this foundation that really does feel inclusive and is going to honor those experiences and provide understanding and community and connection. And that also applies to the clinical model, too. We really are integrating that community approach with clinical care and believe that's so important to folks healing from these really complex and challenging needs. So for us, when we talk about person-centered care, that means we're really having flexibility in the clinical services, the therapy, working with a nutritionist, seeing a psychiatrist or a medical provider. We're really working with the member up front to understand their needs and their goals and then tailoring the care to actually work best for their needs. So it's really just kind of a a different approach than I think you often see in the space, in part because there's certainly a lot of complexity that comes with building this type of model too. And a challenge that we've taken head on and also been fortunate to have just amazing care team members and leaders who have been a part of shaping this with us.
1: That's really interesting. I want to talk a little bit about trust. Trust is something that we touch on very often on this podcast, and it's also important to us as a firm. And I can tell that it's also very important to Arise as well. And even from just a few minutes that we've been speaking Both of you have shown how important it is to you. You've made things personal and this is a personal mission for you. You've shown vulnerability and talked about your own journeys and how important learning and representation are for you, which are huge kind of levers in creating trust. So would you tell us a little bit more about how, as an organization, Arise Health is building trust in the communities that it serves?
3: Yeah, first and foremost, Amanda and I are not clinicians. And that was one of the first things that we acknowledged and worked really quickly to make sure that everything that we're doing is built on top of clinical evidence, clinical support, clinical leadership. And so we brought on our chief medical officer, as well as an incredible clinical advisory board of folks from all different backgrounds. And so Part of that is not just bringing together this group just to have a good list of names. It's about really listening and engaging. It comes back again to our value of listen to lead. It means that not only are we bringing these folks around the table, but they they are an integral part in building this. And we've been really fortunate because we have this group and that because we're creating an environment where folks feel like they're heard and they can share their expertise, where we've thought about our patient experience, our member experience very differently. For example, starting with a very clinical assessment upfront where the member doesn't know us and we don't know the member yet. And we're already turning folks away because they're intimidated by these clinical questions. First, let's actually just get to know the person and, and get them to an individual or a person who can support, get them in with a care advocate and start building that trust and start understanding their experience. And then let's get to the clinical stuff. So I think part of it is about not being selfish about what we're asking from members and really at the core, treating them as if they were a family member that we would be supporting. I think the
2: other piece of it, too, that comes from a person-centered approach to clinical care is that we're really hearing and trusting what people say that they want for their care and what their goals are. There's some tricky nuance here because with eating disorders, oftentimes you hear, well, it's your eating disorder voice that's talking, or there's a lack of trust of what that individual thinks or says because they're experiencing an eating disorder. And I know for me, that was one of the most frustrating experiences of living with an eating disorder is feeling invalidated in what I believed. Certainly, we need to consider medical necessity. We need to understand what is the, the clinical need that this person has. And also, we really need to trust that if they say, look, I cannot engage in eight appointments a week. Well, how do we actually find ways to make this fit into their life when they have responsibilities that are really important, like taking care of their family or going to college or whatever it is? And so honoring that voice, trusting that, building that meaningfully and tangibly into our care planning process and the way that we are actually delivering care and demonstrating progress and giving that information and data back into the hands of the member. All of these things are really important that at every point of the journey with us, we are building and maintaining and fostering that trust with them.
0: Yes, I think related to trust and ecosystems, you both have mentioned just the importance of community, connectivity, inclusiveness. I'm curious, what is the role that you see technology playing in the delivery of care?
3: Yeah, I love this question and it's one that I care deeply about. I think of product as a combination of both the care experience and so how you're delivering care services as well as the technology. And the technology ultimately needs to be in service of the care team. So that's really the team of engineering and design leaders that we brought on board are really committed to creating products that are usable, not only for our members, but also for our providers and our care team. It's really critical because ultimately, if we're creating the most technologically advanced system and our providers and members have a difficult time using it or doesn't serve their specific needs, then it's not really useful. And in many cases, technology these days, I think, becomes so focused on being more advanced, being smarter, that we actually lose sight of folks who don't have access and actually aren't able to use these really cool tools. So part of our team and our focus as a product organization is to really be rooted in member research and provider research, user research, to really understand folks' pain points, their needs, and really listen to the nuances of their experience that ultimately every design choice that we're making, every implementation that we're launching is based in evidence from
1: our providers or our members directly. Amanda and Joan, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your story and for all the great work you're doing at Arise Health. It was a pleasure having you.
2: Thanks so much for having us.
1: For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health.